Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. Hi, welcome to our mini-cast. So we thought, on the heels of the Nellie Bly podcast, we would give you another example of daredeviltry. Yes, we are going to discuss Sophie Blanchard. She's not the first woman to ride in a balloon. She's 20 years too late for that, but she was the very first woman pilot. That's very exciting. Now, we're go back in time a little bit. We're going back about 100 years before our friend Nellie Bly. We are going back to 1778, which is the year that Marie-Madeleine-Sophie Armand was born. I know you always laugh when I speak French. It's not that good. (laughs) She lived in relative obscurity, um, really, until her marriage to the world's first professional balloonist, Jean-Pierre Blanchard. Now, the date of her marriage is in dispute. Did she Was she married to him for 10 years before her first experience in a balloon, or were they newlyweds? We don't know. Even that is a little obscure. But what is interesting and what is not obscure is that the type of person she was, which is what makes this story so fascinating, really, is she was very timid, very shy. She would get scared at horses. It's and in an era when it was all horse-drawn <laughs> transportation, your world must be, therefore, very small. She's little. She's very tiny, physically mm-hmm. tiny. She's very meek. She's very nervous. You know this person. <laughs> and what does she do? She marries this man who may or may not, again, differing, differing histories out there, he may have abandoned his first wife and their four children. <sighs> so, you know, hmm. So you and- marry this rock star kind of out there guy and he's just exactly the opposite so monsieur blanchard was a rock star of french society what he he was sciencey he was daring what he was not was businessy and he didn't handle it very well when those copycats came along uh inevitably you can be the first and that's fabulous but then you got to be flexible and smart when your rivals come along mr garderin his rival was cutting into his bottom line like no tomorrow the usual show-stopping gimmicks, Garnerin and Blanchard were throwing dogs with parachutes out of these balloons. They were lighting fireworks displays off. Um, you know, it was becoming a little ho-hum, which is amazing to me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but anyway, he was facing bankruptcy and ruin. He was not the best financial manager in the world. Now, I do not know how he persuaded his wife to go up the first time. No kidding. It, it could have gone a couple different ways. She could have just been so enamored of him that... And fallen for his whole rock star brave, this is awesome thing, and done it. Or, or it could have been like, woman, get your butt in the basket. We need to make some money. Either way, she went up for the first time when she was 26 years old. And she was ecstatic. She loved it. It only took two times going up with her husband before the third time she soloed, if you can believe that. Well, there's no agency that has to give you your license. <laughs> well, evidently not. She's like, oh, I know everything I need to know. Yay! Now, talk about a gimmick, man. People could not believe this. Here's a little lady in a fluttering white muslin dress with the ostrich plumes on her head, the teeny tiny shoes. She's a teeny tiny lady, and she's up in the air. Now, that is a gimmick, sure, yeah. to draw a crowd. In fact, Napoleon himself loved her so much that he kicked the big rival, Garnerin, out of an official post and gave her the post of aeronaut de fait officielle, meaning you are the country's official balloonist. Think how much that must bite Garnerin, too. Oh. Like, seriously? Really? 
A woman. Huh. Huh. A little tiny woman who hasn't been doing it nearly as long as me. There were quite a few ascents. They had a few small accidents. No big deal until when Sophie was 31, her husband had a big accident. Oh, this was just... Okay, he's up in the Hague, and he's in his balloon, and the man has a heart attack. And there's not a lot of space. It's not the balloon baskets these days. I mean, there's a little bit of room in there, I guess. These were teeny tiny baskets. Where's a big man to go? Out. And he falls to his, his death. death. So she was on her own, and she's still digging out of debt. Um, she's made inroads into the money, but, you know, she still needs to make some money. She didn't use a hot air balloon, um, the ones we think of, but a much smaller hydrogen-filled balloon. Now, a little history on ballooning. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, just a tiny history. Back around 1783... The Montgolfier brothers were experimenting with a hot air balloon that you it was made of paper and glue oh. and had an open fire in it. And they spent most of their time tending the fire and with sponges on long sticks patting out flames that emerged all over the bottom of the balloon. So that sounds wicked to me. But they were the first. Let's put some fire under paper and go up in the air in it. Oh, it's okay. We're attached to a rope. It's it's fine. We've fine. got wet sponges. We'll yeah. All right. We're, we're cool. And then uh, along came the newly discovered gas hydrogen. And so a man named Professor Charles experimented with rubberized silk and hydrogen. So that tended to be the go-to. It was a lot cheaper and a lot less stressful. Um, totally classier material. Yeah. Um, the balloons were quite lovely, by mm-hmm. the way. We'll post pictures of them. They were not just simple silk. I mean... They were elaborately painted. Well, this is France. Yes, and Versailles, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know. So, 200 years, balloons were the only way to get an aerial view unless you felt like climbing a really tall tree. The modern hot air balloons didn't really take off. That The ones that you think of when you think of hot air balloon until 1953. But Sophie was definitely um, using the gas balloon, the hydrogen-filled balloon. She was so little, less than 100 pounds, in fact, that she could fly more cheaply than men. And her basket wasn't very big. It was just about a, it was a chair. Mm-hmm. But it's about the size of it, so it was a chair. Yeah. So she used a lot less um, money to fly each time than everyone. Now, female rivals began to appear because you knew that was going to happen. You're the first. And who are the female rivals? Mr. Garnaran's female relatives. Of course. He's no slouch. He knows what we got to do. Yeah. But you know what? It didn't even matter because she had the, you know, she had the official post, and she had all the official events. Napoleon's wedding, the birth of his son. She's dropping out birth announcements from the balloon across the city when Napoleon's son was born. I love that. So anytime there was a visiting dignitary or an official celebration, it was Sophie. So the rivals could just whistle for it, really. Yeah. She had it. Watch her. Fly. Now, as she became more bold, though, the dangers increased. Once during an ascension in Rome, she went so high she lost consciousness for a little bit. Nobody knew about that. Now, some male balloonists had had that happen to them. They went to 30,000 feet. I can't even imagine. I mean, how are you supposed to know, though? No, no one's ever done it before. No. And, and until you start blacking out. I know. And yeah. one of the men completely blacked out. Mm-hmm. And the other man had just enough left in him to reach up and pull the gas thing. And then he collapsed and saved their lives because they came down far enough that they woke back up. But, yeah. People were never the same again when they realized that could happen. Um, Later that year, though, she did it again. There was a hailstorm. And to avoid the hailstorm, she had to go up. Over the hailstorm. And she was in that balloon for 14 and a half hours. Completely unconscious. And probably not dressed properly for the weather. (laughs) 
at one point, yeah, I read that her hair had frozen and there were icicles hanging off her nose. Oh, that's cold. That's really cold. So, you know, um, during her 53rd flight, she had a very serious accident when she misjudged a landing spot. She looked from on high. It looked like a lovely grassy field. Mm-hmm. How awesome, right where I needed to be. But then when she came, she landed, it was not a nice grassy field. It was a nice grassy marsh. So tall grass in complete mud and water. And when she landed, her balloon caught on some surrounding trees and flipped her basket over. And so she was trapped under the marsh, under the water, wrapped up in her ropes. And had it not been for the local yokels running as fast as they could to see what the heck that was and saved her, right. she would be dead. That would be the end of her. So yeah. she was saved that by the audience. That would be horrific. Trapped in a marsh. What? But it was the 67th Ascent that was the most famous of all. Not in a good way. She's Now she's doing a nighttime flight, as she's wont to do, because that's when the pyrotechnics show up really well. And she's doing it over um, Tivoli Gardens in Paris, which is based on a villa called Villa d'Est in Tivoli, Italy. So we can show you pictures of that place. Unfortunately, the garden in Paris is, is largely gone. So... I will show you pictures of what it might have looked like back in the day. Lots of topiary fountains. It was just a beautiful, beautifully kept place. She performed there many times before, but the wind conditions today are not so favorable. And she knows that. She's trying to decide whether or not she's even going to go up. Mm-hmm. But she decides to, which of course is not the best decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, who knows why? I mean, it could have been because she's gone up so many times. It could have been financial reasons you know she felt obligated to do it and to risk it or her public you know didn't want to let your public down no she lit these baskets of what's called bengal fire and what that is that illuminated the basket that's not fireworks what it is is a liquid that when you light it it becomes different colors right and And it's still sold yes it is still sold and the the vendor advises you to and i quote perform a risk assessment before using this product (laughs) I would say that one of the major risk assessments is, are you standing under something filled with hydrogen? If the answer is yes, <laughs> don't use don't use this product. She'd used it many times before. She'd used pyrotechnics many times before. It was probably very striking in the night sky to see these mm-hmm. colored flames illuminating this. But little things can make a big difference. Okay. And as she went up, the wind knocked her against a tree on the way up. Normally not a big deal, but the fireworks got knocked aside. The fireworks she was to light once she had ascended. Mm -hmm. And instead of going out, as they might have done normally for the show, they went straight up into the gas. And one spectator said that the balloon went up, went behind a cloud, and then reappeared completely engulfed in flames. Now that, of course, depends on where you were standing and how dramatic you feel like giving your report to the media. (laughs) But they're applauding because they think this is part of the show, you know. Sophie goes up and there's lots of flames and fireworks and woohoo, it's exciting. It probably looks exciting, but here's Sophie below it tossing ballast as fast as she can. There's still enough gas to keep her limpingly aloft. And I think her strategy is if she can just get down, she can run away from this thing, Mm -hmm. you know, or jump out when she gets close enough to the ground. So she's able to manage it up until the wind blew her smack into the roof of a house and in this terrible slow motion accident once again she became entangled in the ropes and she rolled off the roof to the street 
And that was the end of Sophie Blanchard. And she has the dubious distinction of being the very first female fatality in an aircraft accident. So that is the end. Um, the Tivoli Garden audience was understandably shell-shocked, um, you know, from this show that they had expected to this outcome was devastating. And the garden management decided to give all proceeds from that night to her children. That was their first instinct. Well, of course, she doesn't have any children. But that's a very nice first instinct. It is a very first instinct. <laughs> so instead, they donated this the proceeds to her church, and then they paid for a memorial in the Père Lachaise Cemetery, the home of such luminaries as Balzac, Jim Morrison, Sarah Bernhardt, Oscar Wilde, etc. It's the place to be. On her tombstone, obviously in French, but I'm going to translate it, it is engraved. Victim of her art and intrepidity. Well, all of Europe mourned her death. Um, Jules Verne himself, which is the second mention of Jules Verne uh, in a couple of weeks, wrote a, a book called Five Weeks in a Balloon, in which he mentioned her. So there are some places you should go to learn a little bit more about Sophie Blanchard and, in fact, others. There is. Um, books. There is a novel that came out a few years ago. It's called The Little Balloonist by Linda Dawn. I have not read it. So if somebody reads it, give us a review. We'll, we'll print it on our website. There is a book called Wonderful Balloon Ascents, or The Conquest of the Skies, by the gloriously named Fulgence Marion that talks about, um, you know, the whole history of, of how that came about. Um, there's an animated full-length feature. It's an animated documentary about Sophie called The Fantastic Flights of Sophie Blanchard. It is not done yet. It's expected to be released in the spring of 2013, but it's a total indie effort, which is kind of cool. So we'll link you to the website that if you want to get involved or track the progress or um, just follow, follow the creation of The Fantastic Flights of Sophie Blanchard. It's kind of fun, so we'll link you to that too. So just a little introduction to someone who might have flown under the radar, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't mean to be so fantastic. So uh, we hope you have enjoyed the mini cast. We have enjoyed bringing it to you, and we hope to see you soon. Bye. For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at The History Chicks with, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. Jusqu'au soir, vont chanter la la. <rire>